0: This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton
1: and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, back to work in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Monday, March 22nd, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who embraces a multitude of worldwide busted brackets, Jaron Jordan.
2: Like, everyone's bracket is busted, right? It's done. It was a really fun weekend for the tournament. I don't care about my bracket or even fantasy football as much. as I just like watching the games and enjoying the games. So this weekend was awesome, man. I brought a second TV down into my living room. And it's sitting there. So I've gone two TVs the whole weekend. And I told my wife, we'll probably just keep this up through, uh, you know, this weekend and then we can take it down because then you go one at a time on the games. But man, it's exciting. 15 uh, seed Oral Roberts into the Sweet 16. Or are you not entertained? Yeah, Verbal Bobs. 12 uh, seed Oregon State. How about that? How about that? A Abilene lo-
1: Christian.
2: Well, let's not talk about that one. That's a sore spot, actually. And uh, 8 seed Loyola Chicago. Sister Jean doing it again, man. And what. Oh, it's uh, Loyola Chicago and Oregon State. So one of those two teams is going to the Elite Eight. How about I, that?
1: I've learned what BYU needs to do to find more victories and success in the NCAA tournament. What Just is it? fly in Sister Jean and have her pray for I don't, the Cougars. We,
2: don't we have a lot of Sister Jeans?
1: <laughs> like, we're tied to a religion here,
2: like a church. Like, what? <laughs> do we need, like, uh, you know, President Russell M. Nelson predicting games or something? Would that... Me. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir coming in, the Gregorian the BYU chants, men's chorus singing, or something like. What do, what do we, we need, need? to? Ex-
1: we need to explore these things.
2: Let, let, I was going to make this point later, but can we win a game without the National Player <laughs> of the Year on the roster? Like cool. we can. Let's do it. Yes. Come on. We don't yes. need Danny Ainge or, Jim or Fredette walking through that door.
1: I know that the result at Hinkle House wasn't what BYU fans wanted, went. but Hinkle House yeah. was magical. How was it, man? It was amazing. The entire city of Indianapolis hosting the entirety of the NCAA tournament. It was so cool. Like, just the atmosphere alone for the few hours that I was downtown Indianapolis and then made my way over to that historic venue. It was. I was like a kid. You know, and I sent this out on uh, social media. But I literally played the entire soundtrack to Hoosiers on my wedding Hinkle fieldhouse nice. to get in the right mindset. Nice. It was it was so great. So it was, it was fun. And to then watch the game BYU started. Run out on that floor, and the fans. All the BYU fans probably outnumbered the UCLA fans three or four to one. And there were a couple of moments in the game where it was so loud they they cut the lead to three, and I was like, this is this is college basketball at Hinkle they just could not climb the mountain. <sighs> ah, I know. Jit, 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 jit. Mm. But it was a it was a magical atmosphere in Indy. Yeah. Anyway, I brought something back, okay? what, what is it? So, uh, it could be a coaster, it could be uh just a little uh I don't know, a hockey puck if you want to use it later. Air hockey enough, puck.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Air hockey, yeah. Air, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. But, uh, okay. yeah, Indianapolis, the NCAA gifted the the Final Four. Members. What would that be like? Uh, I don't know. Ask Gonzaga. I just, just want to win.
2: They've been once. Uh, I, w- I want to just win a game. Yeah. And play Abilene
1: yeah. Oh, the my goodness. The, da- da- the dagger in the side, right? Come on, man. Abilene <laughs> knocks off. It would have been a battle of the honor codes. <laughs> Abilene like knocks They kick off Texas. out people for stuff we kick out people for. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yet here we are. Uh, and it's still yeah. a game day for BYU basketball. That's right, baby! We'll get to that in just a moment. Let's Your go. Monday show lineup, including, yes, the ladies of BYU women's basketball and the next step for the men of BYU, who's following that gut punch opening round loss in the NCAA tournament to UCLA. What happened? And is it enough to push the ABBA backcourt to run it back one more season? Plus, former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland on where he believes BYU can learn from this experience Build on it and find more success in future tournaments. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines.
2: Men's Hoops bows out in the first round of the NCAA tournament with a 73-62 loss to 11-seed UCLA Saturday night in Hinkle Fieldhouse. Although after Oregon State was in there, they're calling it the uh, Tinkle Fieldhouse. Goers <laughs> never led in the game, which is disappointing. Matt Harms announced this was his final game at BYU, and it's the first back-to-back loss of the Mark. Hope you're on much more on the game coming up.
1: Certainly. Jerome. As mentioned, it is game day for BYU women's basketball in the NCAA tournament in San Antonio with an expanded weight room. Well done, ladies and social media. To get that done. You
2: know who had to kind of talk publicly from the NCAA about it? Lynn, Lynn Oltzman, yes. Who used to be the commissioner of the West Virginia.
1: They're playing at Strahan Arena in San Marcos against the six-seed Rutgers. Hopefully the BYU women can be the eleven seed, upsetting a six-seed this time no. around. BYU 6-13 as a women's squad all-time in NCAA tournament games. This is the first time they've ever played the Scarlet Knights. And
2: it's tipping off right now on ESPNU. And if you're uh, in the Utah-Idaho-ish area, 107.9 FM on BYU Radio. can't stream it. There are NCAA rights there. So we will be updating this throughout the show. Number 12 Gymnastics wins the MRGC title with the 196-925 Logan. The Cougars swept the awards, including Garg Young, Coach of the Year, Natalie Breckman, The assistant coach of the year, Abby Minor alder gymnast of the year. Congratulations all around. Seatings for the NCAA tournament will be announced today.
1: Back-to-back MRGC champs. Let's go. Number two, BYU men's volleyball sweeps Pepperdine in Malibu to complete an undefeated weekend. Very impressive performance for the Cougars, now 12-2. BYU hit 460 with 39 kills on 63 attempts in Saturday's sweep. Gabi Garcia Fernandez led the way with 12 kills and four blocks.
2: Number 16, women's volleyball sweeps. Number 21 San Diego, led by 14 kills from Kate Grimmer, 12 kills and eight blocks from Kennedy Eschenberg. Both hit 600 plus. Cougars are 12 and 1 overall, four matches to go in the regular season.
1: On to some NCAA track and field and cross-country accolades. Connor Mance named the National Men's Athlete of the Year. Not surprising. After you win the 10K and become the first American to do so since 2008. Also, Dilji Taylor named the 2020 National Women's Coach of the Year. Led the Cougars to their fifth national title in team history. Three... I mean, Connor Mance is now a three-time All-American, but this is, this is kind of the, the pinnacle, right? This is incredible stuff. It's
2: going to be hard to beat this in the yes. NCAA. Right? Yes, number seventeen women's soccer beat up Pacific five-one in Stockton. The game winner came in the twenty-seventh minute by Brecken Mozingo. Cougars are six and three. Big one at San Diego Wednesday.
1: BYU baseball were three and eleven. We said on uh, Thursday show, hey, they just need to be 3-11, uh, relax like the band, and go win some games. Beautiful
2: disaster. Amber is the color of your energy. Let's go.
1: They beat LMU 4-1 to on Saturday. They sweep that opening West Coast Conference series. Nice. 3-0 and in WCC play. Now that's how you turn things around.
2: Everything went well, but BYU men's March. And- <laughs> uh,
1: I know. <laughs> Dang it. I feel a little bit bad complaining because it's been so good for BYU athletics overall in the past calendar year, but it still stinks. You
2: got to lose at some point. I just didn't want it to be in the first round.
1: To UCLA.
2: Yeah. Well, you don't have to lose, I guess. One team
1: doesn't. All rise and shout! It's time for What's Trending.
0: You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation.
1: The six-seed BYU Cougars upset by the number 11 seed UCLA Bruins on Saturday night in historic Inko Field House in Indianapolis. Jerem, I think the question we were all asking after the game was over was what happened?
2: It was more like what happened from a mighty win, but yeah, it, okay, first off, UCLA was a tougher matchup than we thought, obviously. I thought the BYU would be able to run its offense smoothly. It did not because there was a ton of perimeter pressure which was and we told you this, you know, a week ago. The issue for BYU and a couple of losses was USC and Boise State really had some length and athleticism to uh, prevent BYU from running its offense and the dribble handoffs. If BYU can't get that going, it's hard to get the offense going. And then BYU had a lot of contested shots. So you look at BYU by 3-2-1s. Shot 18% from 3. 3 of 17. Just not good enough. You're not going to win a ton of games when you shoot like that. From two, 65%. Okay. Like, BYU was getting to the rim. Brandon Avert was doing his thing off the glass. Alex Barcella was nice, right? 56% from ones, free throws. What? If BYU just shoots normal-ish, this is a five- or six-point game down the stretch, not yeah. the eight- to 11-point game that it really was later. Okay, BYU does make that 10-0 run at the beginning of the second half, and it's down to four, but BYU never gets it to a single-digit game or, or, sorry, a, a one-score game. Or takes the lead, and that was disappointing. Five assists on 25-made shot. UCLA just took BYU out of the
1: Season offense. low in team assists for a game.
2: Yeah. UCLA only had four turnovers, so BYU defensively didn't have enough pressure or create enough. UCLA was just better. And, uh, you know, Ju Zhang was really good. Yeah. Um, and and it, it was hard. And it's disappointing because I thought BYU uh, could have made a couple, you know, if they play a little bit better in a few other areas, they're going they're going to win this game. And then you're playing Abilene Christian, who just upset three-seed Texas, for a chance at the Sweet 16 for the third time in program history. So I'm disappointed in the win. I'm not disappointed in the season as a whole. It doesn't put a massive damper on it for me. But it is a bummer to end the season like this.
1: I kept thinking BYU's going to do what they've always done. They're going to scrap. It's going to be ugly. And they're going to find a way to win this game beautifully ugly. And I felt that way. Particularly when they went on the ten-zero run, start second half. I was like, okay, here, this is what they do. Okay, they it's they, what
2: they do. They
1: get back in the game. They they ugly it up. They muddy it. It gets physical. But UCLA just kept making shots, and not just any shots. Jerem, there were a couple of key uh, moments in the second half where UCLA got offensive rebounds and then second chance points. Yeah. Second chance points were a killer. So BYU out-rebounds UCLA. UCLA. BYU out-rebounds UCLA overall, but the second chance points, UCLA goes plus six. And then points off turnovers, Jerem. UCLA, late in the game, I know was plus nine. I'm not sure if it finished today. Plus nine. 11-2. Another one where it's like, okay, well, so BYU's fighting this uphill battle. Even though they outshot UCLA from the field, 49% to 48.4 or whatever it was, and the Cougars were so good from two-point field goal percentage. It, they just—they're fighting these uphill battles. Yeah. Turnovers, offensive rebounds, like those—they were devastating points. When when they when they gave away turnovers in the pace of play and the run of play, and when they gave up those second chance opportunities to not a good rebounding team, those are devastating points. To BYU,
2: yeah, BYU needed to rebound a, a little bit better. Turnovers weren't as big of an issue to me um, because BYU only had ten. But it's the, the point. The issue turnovers. was that UCLA didn't have similar, uh, you know, equalizing moments. So, yeah, it's it's a bummer that uh, BYU loses this. I, I thought things are going BYU's way. they're one, this is the best defensive team in 25 years for BYU. But UCLA was very different from the team that BYU uh, beat handily last year in Maui. This was a different group. BYU's inability and inconsistency from three hurt the Cougars in this one as well. This season, we've seen BYU shoot it really well at times. Other times, it's been tougher.
1: Only three, which was, I think, the second second worst of any game this season.
2: Lowest amount? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. You make a couple of threes, you're in the game, you make it interesting late, right? But ultimately, UCLA, uh, just a little bit better than BYU to the point of an 11-point win. So. Bruins move on and Buy goes home and three seniors uh, with Matt Harms and Brandon Averett, and Alex Barcelo have an interesting choice, right? One of those has already been made by Matt Harms, who said uh, that was my last game. So we'll, we'll see if Alex Barcelo and Brandon Averett come back. BYU really needs them. BYU does not have a point guard for next year. BYU doesn't have a point guard. Does that? Like a starter. I, BYU has point guards. I'm talking about a guy that starts and makes an impact. BYU doesn't probably have one, unless you say, if those two guys leave and you say, well, Connor Harding, you're the point guard. Yeah. It's not a natural point guard. I want a natural point guard. I don't doubt that BYU, and we'll talk about this later, kind of, they're not way too early expectations because the season's over. They're just expectations now um, without knowing the full roster. But hopefully one or both of those guys comes back because BYU could really use them. And then I do not doubt in any way, shape, or form that Al, um, Mark Pope will, will pull his magic, a.k.a. the transfer portal, and BYU have a couple of guys that will make this season similar to what this year was in and a terms healthy of Gavin Baxter getting into the NCAA tournament. Right? Um, I don't expect per se BYU to get in, but I expect BYU to compete for a spot because until we get those guys and they play it out, it's hard to just assume NCAA tournament. It's hard to get into the NCAA tournament. What BYU sure. did this year was notable.
1: If one of those two guards comes back, BYU will be in the NCAA tournament. If Alex Barcelo or Brandon Avery come hope. back, they yeah. they will be in the bracket. That's, that's going to happen. And it was hard to watch Brandon Averitt specifically walk off the floor. I mean, he just was...
2: Maybe maybe abs- that was it for him? I don't know if that's a absolutely tell. Like, absolutely This was my last game. I don't know.
1: It'll be interesting to see how Mark Pope recruits these guys back to re- to potentially run it back for another season. Alright, we do have an early look and update on the BYU women and their opening round game of the NCAA tournament. The 11-seeded Cougars... Lead early 5-2, to two, Paisley Johnson-Harding. She's a gamer in tournament play, Jerem. Yeah. Got the Cougars started with a corner three. Two teams have combined for seven turnovers early. Not surprising. Hey, it's an jitters, early man. game. Jitters are going.
2: Yeah. Who knew that Texas State would feature prominently in BYU sports this year, by the way? San Marcos! A football game. Baseball went there. And now women's basketball is playing at the home of the Bobcats in uh, St. Mark. So, yeah. Fun times. Let's go, uh, go, kooks.
1: All right. Our question of the day back to the men specifically. How will you, BYU Sports Nation, remember this specific season of BYU basketball? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
0: This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU
2: Sports Nation. Do we have Sarah McLaughlin music? Can we play that? We, oh, we can't? Okay, never
1: mind. Aaron Kinzer on Twitter. After a disappointing. And to last year's team and losing all three of BYU's top players, Coach Pope rebuilt a team that surpassed expectations and made the tournament. Yeah. This team was a fun team that would often find a way to win, usually with different players.
2: Yeah, BYU was a little deeper than normal, right? Probably nine deep. Colby Lee was in the rotation that kind of wasn't right the last uh, couple of weeks. So nine deep and new faces, and we didn't, we didn't grow old with them. They just mm-hmm. came in old. In, the fa- in, in uh, Matt Harms and Brandon Averitt's uh, cases. Are there power six players looking to try and be one-offs um, to get to the dance and play in this culture, which wins a lot of games, obviously looking for more success in the postseason, uh, Vegas and the NCAA tournament. But, um, unfortunately, the one shining moment for BYU was the COVID test and Jesse Wade getting out of the elevator. We were hoping that wouldn't be the <laughs> biggest moment for BYU, but it was. Um, and and hopefully we uh, can get after it and get back in the tourney next year.
1: At JPuppy23 on Twitter, transfer you and the unanticipated success of a six seed in a rebuilding year.
2: Well, reload, based on what happened this year, hopefully, right? Hopefully it's not rebuild. Rebuild would be like NIT and 19 and 11 or something.
1: Just bring back one of the guards. If not both, that's a season changer. Alex. Come on, man.
2: Come a back, season Brandon. season Run it back, boys. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay, coming up, broken brackets. Anybody?
1: And former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland joins the program. He's coaching the tournament. He's been in a locker room after a tough loss like that. How does he help the team get through something like that emotionally and build on it for the future? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU
0: Sports Nation is presented by The BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU got back on track with a three-game sweep of LMU led
2: by Mitch McIntyre and the guys. They look to make a four-game win streak. Utah Valley. In town, long track for the Wolverines. Tomorrow, 6 Eastern on the BYU TV app, BYU Radio 107.9 FM local.
1: Keep it rolling, Bad cats We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Time for a tournament
2: update. San Marcos, Texas, BYU women's soups in 11 playing six seed Rutgers. And right now the score is 7-5. to five. Paisley Harding has 5 points, uh, shooting a free throw uh, on an and-one out of a media timeout coming up. So, so far, so good. It's early
1: for the Cougars. Let's go, Paisley. Let's go, ladies. All right. We'll take a timeout from that and update you in just a moment and turn our attention back to BYU men's basketball and their tournament loss in Indianapolis with former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland. Where do they go from now? He joined us on, or He's joining us rather, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. All right, Coach, how's your bracket right now after the craziest amount of upsets, we think, in the history of the NCAA tournament?
3: It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I've, I've got a bracket. I've got a bracket with my grandkids and my kids, and and uh, they expect me to be really smart on this stuff. And uh, uh, the Big Ten quite wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But, yeah, there have been a lot of upsets.
1: Yeah, and that's putting it lightly. One of those upsets, how the NCAA terms it, five seeds or lower was UCLA over six-seed BYU You've been in that situation in that locker room after a tournament loss with the BYU team. What is the finality like for a team like that, and how do you help your team process that?
3: You know, uh, you put so much time and effort and thought, emotions, everything is vested in that. And so it's only natural when things don't go well or when you lose a game like that, it's going to be emotional. I mean, that's what it is. That's part of the experience, part of the process. It's not fun. I think over a few days, you come to the realization that, you know, we're going to be okay, and you start thinking about going forward. But, no, it's tough. It's really tough. And uh, I think you're kind of on edge anyway when you play in these situations and these tournaments. And you, you've vested everything into this for the last three or four months. And, of course, this year, uh, with COVID and whatnot, it's so, it's so untypical of what we normally – what I ever went through – So I can't imagine dealing with all of that as well, but it's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. You set your goals. You've been in a situation. They played well. They had a great year. They expected to win that game. I mean, there was no question. The staff did, the players did, it didn't happen and they'll go back and figure out why. And, and I think maybe a lot more credit should be given to USC though. It wasn't obviously BYU's greatest shooting night, but it was one of those things that you'll reflect on it, but you can't stay in it too long. Uh, you you got to move forward because there's recruiting and 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 uh, building for next year's team and Mark's done a great job of that from year one to two and I'm sure he'll do a great job of it from year two to three.
2: And we'll talk about that in a moment, but more on the game. UCLA did what Boise State and USC did to BYU, which was really pressure the handoffs. But BYU didn't take advantage by reversing the ball or getting to the rim as quickly. And then defensively, this this was a winnable game. BYU offensively. Didn't shoot it well from three, three of 17. And then from the free throw line, nine of 16 for 56%. So the shooting was a little disappointing. But this was a game BYU could have won had they played uh, just a little bit better.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with that, though. I, I will tell you this. I watched that. You know, and Usually I won't watch a game live. And uh, I'll tape it and then watch it in 30 minutes, you know. And, uh, but this was a game I actually watched live and, and had to deal with commercials and things, which I don't normally <laughs> like to deal with. <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, you know, Cron- Nick Cronin did a really good job in preparing it, and I think the advantage for them was beating a Michigan State team uh, the night before and working things through. You know, sometimes they, well, you know, they're having to play a, re- a quick turnaround. Well, these are young, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty. They're not. They're not going to be tired. Okay, the, the the nerves may get to them a little bit, but they're not going to be tired. And I thought what you said. Jeremy, is that not only did they deal with the handoff, but they switched two through five, of uh, probably 80% of that game. And there, there wasn't a, a, a seam to get into. Like Barcello and Everett loved to get in those little seams when they come off of the ball screens, but it wasn't there. And, and, and you had 6-6, 6-6, 6-8, 6-8. And so they could switch everything. And, and, and it was a really, really solid job defensively by you said that. That being said, you're right. BYU had opportunities, but they got BYU to play in a hurry. And, and, and when you get in that situation, harms, I, maybe Barcello was on the bench in an NC two A game, but there weren't very many people on that team that had had an experience. Now, mind you, they had played Gonzaga. They had had tournament games. They, they've had some really good at San Diego State, at Utah State. But still, that being said, the NC2A is different. And you can lay a little of this on the fact that there wasn't a great deal of NC2A experience there that had been through this and knew what was going to happen. And, and I think UCLA actually having a game to play beforehand settled them in. They're not a great offensive team. But but they have guys that are alike, and they're long and lengthy, and, and and certainly they shot the three ball a lot better than BYU did, and that ends up being the difference in the game.
1: Former BYU basketball head coach Steve Cleveland with us on BYU Sports Nation looking back at BYU's run into the 2021 NCAA tournament. Coach, BYU's been to the NCAA tournament 30 times, which is more than 331 other Division One men's basketball teams. Yet they have had notable struggles winning games there. What's the key to finding success once you get to the tournament and winning more games for BYU? You
3: know, and I, I don't. And you just tell you my experience. And uh, there have been uh, a lot better coaches than me at that institution. So I will just tell you my experience is that sometimes I found myself maybe overcoaching. Uh um, West Wesley and I have always had this conversation after they, after we won the Mountain West that year and won the tournament. And he said, coach, we were just chatting one time. This was a couple of years ago. And he says, you think we went too hard the night before, you know, in terms of preparing for the game. I mean, we were so jacked and so pumped up about playing. We got in there and scrimmaging and want to do some stuff live. And the next thing you know, for a couple of days before that game, we, we lost a little something there. And so I think your preparation, uh, has to be a, a blend of yes, having a game plan and and getting a feel for what the floor feels like and shooting there and everything. But I think a lot of the things that you do off the court in terms of getting guys mentally ready and talking through assignments, watching film, watching your success. I think that was one of the things. I mean, we lost two really close games in the NCAA tournament to UConn and Syracuse games we both could have won. But I thought the difference between them I and mean, when we played Cincinnati is that. We knew who we were, and we knew that we were pretty good. And it was one of those things that I, I, I think I focused at times early on too much on the opponent rather than saying, here's the things we're really good at. These are the things that we need to do. And it's a different focus. And, and, and I, I love that conversation that I had with McKelly on that because he was right. I said, that Cincinnati game, we, we you know, it was tied at half, and, and then we didn't have anything left. But I, I think the one thing as a staff we figured – Let's focus on us. Yes, we're going to have a game prep, but let's focus on the things that we're really good. At. Make that mindset so positive. And I'm not, listen, Coach Pope seems like uh, somebody that re- truly understands motivation, <laughs> getting guys ready. So it, it's not a knock on that. I'm just telling you my own personal experience. What's happened in the past? I don't know. I mean, sometimes teams are just better. And, and, you're, and depending on your seed, uh, I think a lot of times BYU hasn't been yeah, a fifth or state, had a couple of teams maybe that, had low, you know, higher, lower seeds, but most people that have played for BYU have been nine, ten, eleven, you know, those seeds, the higher seeds, where you're always the underdog, in most cases. Uh, but I, I think for me, the preparation of the mind and getting guys confident is really, really important. And from there, I, I don't have an explanation for why BYU hasn't had more success. I can just tell you that. In our situation, the next two games, we had; those were both winnable games for us. Mm. I thought we played well. I thought our minds were right. And uh, and, and that helped me and, 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 and our staff in preparing them.
2: Now we look ahead to next year. And at this point last year, I don't think any of us thought that what happened would happen, <laughs> which was that BYU would be back in the tourney and be a sixth seed. It took transfers, two of them notably, Matt Harms and Brandon Averitt. Now, Matt Harms already said, I'm done. Brandon Averitt and Alex Barcelo have not. BYU needs point guard or guards. So hopefully those two guys come back. But if not, is there any doubt in your mind that Mark Pope will put BYU in at least a ish situation next year, despite how much it feels like maybe right now
3: BYU wouldn't be? No, I mean, I have uh, great respect for Mark. And I think he understands the transfer portal. I think in this time of COVID and what this group has done, taking advantage of every resource they have. Uh, I'm sure they've not just started working on that. I I think this is a staff that's been working on this for weeks and months, even though you're still coaching during a season. I mean, your eye is always on recruiting. And when things play out, that transfer portal is going to be full. And they'll have an opportunity to get back to work like they did. I mean, if they get Marcello and Everett back – that's those are two pretty good gets, and uh, and I wondered what was going to happen. I think they've got enough size. They've got people coming off missions. They have young people that you know Spencer. I didn't I didn't know who Spencer Johnson was. You know, you 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 start talking about different people, and and uh, go through that lineup. of is a freshman. This this is going to be you know it, it it honestly if those two guards come back, this is going to be a better team than last year's. I, and no disrespect to Harms, and he, he played a great role and he was a great fit for BYU. But th- there will be a better basketball team on the floor with uh, those two guards coming back. If they don't come back, then the road's going to be a little more difficult and they're going to have to get busy really quickly. But I, if they come back, they're, they're looking at getting right back into the NCAA tournament, adding some spots. I think you're going to see a really, really good basketball team.
1: Yeah, sure thing. And uh, Gavin Baxter to boot. We look forward to that. Coach. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Great to catch up with you. Thanks for your insights into the NCAA tournament. Such a unique situation for BYU this year in the COVID uh, situation, but uh, better things ahead. Thanks again.
3: Yeah. Congratulations, guys, on everything. How are you covering it? You're always doing a great job. Take care.
1: Steve Cleveland on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. always appreciate talking with him and his yeah, experience. Yeah, it's been a minute.
2: Yeah, it was good to uh, catch up with Steve. Had some interesting insight.
1: Before we go to break, another tournament update featuring the BYU women's basketball team. After one quarter of play, they trail six seed Rutgers 12-10. Paisley Harding has six of BYU's 10 points. Ladies, we think, are going to be locked in a battle for much of this game.
2: Okay, let's go. Coming up, projections for men's hoops next year. Plus,
1: BYU ranks first in the country. But is it a good thing in this specific scenario? We'll explain. This BYU Sports Nation.
0: This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management.
2: You want to watch Hunter Ava and Riley Jensen launch some bombs? Mm -hmm. Wednesday, BYU softball, 17-4 Stanford in in uh, Provo. How about that? Great non-conference matchup. We'll have it for you on the BYU TV app Wednesday at 7 Eastern.
1: Let's go. He is Jeremiah Spencer. This is BYU Sports Nation on a Monday. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems.
2: Well, after BYU lost UCLA on Saturday, the Cougars lead the nation with 30 NCAA tournament appearances without a Final Four. Do you love or hate this?
1: I still mostly love this. 30 appearances in the NCAA tournament? That is, it's hard to make the tournament, let alone 30 times. Yeah, I'd love for BYU to change that up, but I mean, there are 331 other Division I teams that can't hold a candle to BYU's 30 tournament trips.
2: I would like a Final Four at some point. We thought it was going to happen with the Lone Peak 3 a few years ago. We all whiffed on that one. But uh, hopefully it happens. And if it doesn't, I would just love another Sweet 16 at some point without the National Player of the Year needing to be on the road.
1: And this year, it's hard not to wonder what if the OU beats UCLA. I'm and not going to, Christian. to keep from crying. Are you a fan of broken brackets, Jerem? Yes. Already? Yes. Okay. Number one seed gone, one number two seed gone, a number three seed gone, and three number four seeds out.
2: I love the chaos. I'm not honestly a huge like fantasy football fan. I just like watching the games. I don't need like an extra interest there. I'd probably be a terrible better of sports as well, because I would care too much and it just upset. Anyway, okay. no, I okay. love this. I love this. This is so fun right now. All
1: right, Jerem. Uh, on to Are the- you a fan? Of course, I'm a fan. Okay, yeah, I just didn't
2: know. Yes, I need. I don't. need, need you to say it. I need you to declare it.
1: Yeah, truth. Okay,
2: the uh, BYU women's team uh, trails Rutgers 18-13. Will the Cougars pull off the upset today?
1: Yes. Give me my blue goggles. And our super unbiased opinion. Let's go. Let's go, ladies. Sarah Hampson's going to play a big factor in this game later on. goggle alert. Okay, and Rutgers has foul trouble with one of their their bigs early on, so I I think. I think that that could be an issue. She's got three fouls already yeah. early in the first half. I
2: guarantee a BYU win if they don't. I will shave Spencer's head.
1: <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that's not happening.
2: Oh, I know because BYU's going to win. That's true. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. true. They're going to win. We won't need, need it. to do that. They're
1: going to win. Jeremy, BYU <laughs> gymnastics, back to back Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference oh. champions. Are they building a dynasty in the MRGC?
2: Well, in the league, yes, but. A real dynasty would be like okay now BYU is getting into NCAA finals like the championships right um, the regional selections will be today there are nine four uh, you know team or there are four sorry four nine team regionals should BYU get through more consistently in the championships now we're talking because BYU is on the fringe of being one of the best that isn't going getting into the next level let's get into the next level here and then we'll
1: we'll go there it's been almost two decades since BYU made it to that next level. And it's even harder now because they're only taking the top eight programs. Yes, top two out to of take, each region. They used to take more the top 12 because there used to be six regions.
2: Yeah, BYU would be in position for that almost, right? But... They'll have to perform really well.
1: It's been a nice turnaround in the MRGC. Two conference championships in a row is not enough for me to call it a dynasty. BYU does a three, then it's like, okay.
2: If BYU wins one West Coast Conference Championship in men's basketball, we'll call that a dynasty. Does <laughs> okay? so the weekend sweep of men's volleyball at fourth-ranked Pepperdine earn a return to number one in your opinion?
1: Woo! They got a case. It'll garner some votes for BYU to be the number one team. Garner, nice. But I don't think it's enough to push them above Hawaii to number one.
2: No, BYU should not be number one. Nor do I want BYU to be number one. I want BYU to feel disrespected so that they go on a tear like they did last year. I don't want BYU to be number one until Saturday, May 8th. Is that the day? The day after the national championship? Yeah. Well, that night where you won, you're the number one team. Okay. Okay, is BYU baseball back? They just
1: swept. LMU. Okay, three and zero to start conference play. Forget the non-conference; they can keep playing like this. Then just maybe they are back. I got to see some more though. They need to take care of business against Utah Valley tomorrow, and then we'll see what they do with more conference play later this week. But it's a little too early to say they're officially back.
2: Yeah, BYU's going to have to. Such a bad non-conference situation. BYU's going to have to win the WCC to get into the NCAA tournament. But so far, so good.
1: Six and eleven overall right now. I think Inch closer to five hundred. Then, then they're back.
2: Yes. Okay, 18-18 is the score. BYU Women's Soup's against Rutgers in the NCAA first round. So it's going uh Those it's going better. Are working. Little little uh what 6-0 run there? Alert. Okay, Blue coming up alert. a special rise Blue and chatter.
1: And our way too early projections for BYU men's basketball
2: next season. BYU to the final four. Spencer Linton said that.
1: This is BYU Sports.
0: Nation. And Michael Scott.
1: <laughs>
0: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Yo, watch Zach Wilson and and
2: many other Cougars as they work out for NFL Scouts on Pro Day 2-hour BYU Sports Station coming your way Friday. Full coverage on BYU TV and the app starting at noon Eastern to 2 Eastern.
1: It's a Monday on BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Tournament update for the BYU women's basketball team in the Mercado region of the NCAA tournament in San Marcos, Texas. For so the
2: market region?
1: With six nineteen to play in the second quarter, BYU has gone on a 9-2 to run, and they lead Rutgers 22-20. How
2: about that? How about that? It's going well. Okay, we did some prop picks for what became the final game of the season. Uh, you definitely won the series. Uh, it's just whether I won the game here. <laughs> okay, I went into the final game up 2 nothing. Tyler Haas picked for me Friday. I did ask him to mail it in. I gave him a pack mm-hmm. of stamps. We'll see if he did. Okay. Okay, sorry. I was down 2 nothing. I uh, thought I was up 2 nothing, but I was actually down to Okay. Nothing. Okay. Okay, number one. Which BYU place scores the team's 11th point? This is very <laughs> proppy. Alex Barcelos scored the 11th and 12th points on a jumper. I had Spencer Johnson. Tyler had Matt Harms. No points for you.
1: Okay, great. It's awesome. In Tyler Haas' senior season, he averaged 22.2 points. How many players in tomorrow's game will score more than 22? Only UCLA's Johnny Juzang broke the 22-point barrier. 27. Jerem nailed it saying yep. only one player would score twenty two or more, so point to Jerem.
2: Okay, and I need this to tie, who scores the last basket of the game. Five seconds left, Connor Harding hit a jumper. I had Connor Harding scoring the <laughs> final basket. How about that? I thought it would be wouldn't be close and it wasn't. So there you go. Um, Tyler had Brandon Averett or Averett, depending on who you guys are. Which means uh, we tie at two apiece. Two so apiece! No one spins? Is that what happens?
1: No one, nobody spins nobody the wheel spins. of consequence. Or we do we both spin? spin? We both spin the wheel we're of consequence? punished for
2: Adam's transgression?
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> 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 we're both going to spin the wheel. Okay. No, we weren't. I'm, I'm, we're learning this okay. on the air. Okay, yeah. Well, live television. Hopefully it's not the mouthpiece. Jerem, now that the season is officially over. Boo. Ugh. We are going to look ahead to next season because that's what we do. It's a perfect timing. This season's over. BYU Sports Nation, way too early season projections for BYU basketball in the 2021-2022 season presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. Number one, Jerem, how many and which of the three seniors, Matt Harms, Alex Barcelo, Brandon Averitt, will be re-recruited and return to BYU next season.
2: One of them already said no, but it doesn't mean he won't come back because when Yoli childs did the exactly. same thing. Exactly. So I'm guessing BYU gets two of the three, and I'm thinking it's the guards.
1: The Abba backcourt. I'm thinking it back.
2: I, I hope they come back. I don't know what's gonna.
1: Reuniting for another album.
2: Oh, I would love it so much. That yeah, was a good album. First one was good.
1: I think one of the three are most likely. I hope all three come back, but I I'm thinking that. One will come back and help out that BYU guard line, which is going to be, you know, having a pretty huge void. Yeah, thinking about all of them leaving.
2: Number two, will the coaching staff look the same next year?
1: Yes, I don't Ooh. think there will be any changes. Oh, I BYU hope so. I don't staff. I don't think so. This off season, I think it'll change after next season.
2: Two NCAA tournaments in a row, if you will. Two single digit seats, two top twenty five teams going to the tourney. If BYU keeps all three assistants, that's pretty incredible. I don't think it will look the same. I think one of them gets an op somewhere at least. I hope not. I want to keep these guys. But then they can
1: match the pay and coax them back, right? Hopefully. (laughs) Okay. How many transfers, whether from junior college Hmm. or in the transfer portal, will join BYU basketball for next season. Now, this
2: is an interesting question because BYU, I believe, is already good to go. In fact, BYU has uh, like 15 dudes on Scully (laughs) for next year. So a few guys are going to be off Scully. So how will
1: will COVID impact that, though, if, let's say, Alex Barcelo and Averitt come back? They're added
2: to the 13. They're not part of the Right. Yeah. I believe. Um, Yeah, well, I would guess two or three. Because that's what BYU probably needs to be a tourney team is to have an addition like that. Um, and when I say, tra- I guess I would include A, B, and B, A in that conversation. Okay. But I do think that BYU needs another like scoring guard that isn't a point guard. Trevor Nell's developing, which is great. Spencer Johnson's there. But like, where's that like shooting guard that averages 15 a game? On BYU's most successful teams, they always had that guy. Unfortunately, AB and BA, one of them who didn't have the ball was a little undersized and guarded by a 6'6 guy against UCLA.
1: I hope BYU only needs one guy from the transfer portal or from the JC ranks because Alex Barcelo and or Brandon Averett come back. Matt Harms He needs he, a big, I think. If he, well, Gavin Baxter returns, yeah. So they've got Richard Harward, there's,
2: and there's one signee whose name we haven't mentioned right. yet because we can't right? has it signed, but he will he will help. He's a, going to be a freshman.
1: So how many bigs does BYU basketball really need if Matt Harms leaves?
2: Yeah, depends how deep you want to be. Um, Trey Stewart comes back from a Mission, by the way, which is exciting. So he'll he'll kind of come off the bench and be okay a good shooting guard. The guy of the future on the wing, by the way, is Dallin Hall. He's just in the first year of his mission.
1: Dallin Hall, Dallin is, Hall a is savage.
2: Like, he might be an all-league guard kind of guy. I thought Connor Harding would be that type of guy. Well, um, he has not turned out to be that guy quite yet. Who knows? Maybe next maybe year. Maybe he takes a maybe next, next year. A- maybe he na- takes the A-B jump. But Connor feels like a great complementary player.
1: Okay. Yeah. Just think about a starting lineup of, let's say, Alex Barcelo, Brandon Everett, Gideon George... Gavin, Baxter, Caleb and Caleb Lohner. I like that. Sounds pretty good.
2: Yeah. Gavin's a tremendous piece defensively. Yeah. And offensively, cleans up the glass really well.
1: Let's finish Jungs with this, Jerem. The will, question of all questions.
2: Will be and NCAA Tournament Tournament?
1: Yes. But it depends on if A.B. or B.A. come back. If one of those guys come back, then I'm... Like, take it to the bank, baby. They're going back to the tournament.
2: Can, Gavin Baxter will need to replace the rim protection of Matt Harms.
1: Which I think he can.
2: And, I, and Gavin's not as, um, at the moment, skilled of an offensive player per se, like in the pick and roll and whatnot and, and finishing at the rim. But maybe he develops that and he's better. So there are some questions. But, yeah, I, I do hope you always an NCAA tournament team. I don't know right now. I don't know. <sighs> that part is extra early.
1: <laughs> it's so early because yeah. we just don't know who's going to be re-recruited. But it's the perfect
2: timing because.
1: And Mark Pope said on Senior Night at the appropriate time, we will recruit. That's now. all three of these guys. We have officially entered that recruiting period.
2: Yeah, as of Saturday night. Yeah. Okay, coming up, who gets the elite voice of the day?
1: And we'll have another update from the NCAA tournament. How are the BYU women's basketball team faring against Rutgers? Not to mention Blaine Fowler joining us to give a special rise and shout out to a Cougar great. Next on BYU Sports Nation.
0: This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU Sports Nation's Rising Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward.
1: BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. you can download the
2: podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, subscribe rate, review. Uh, Rutgers up 25-24, left in the second quarter of the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament. Cougs
1: and the Scarlet Knights locked in a battle for a chance to get to the second round. Our question of the day, how will you remember this BYU men's basketball season? I know, disappointing finish, but overall... 20-7 and seven on the year. How are you going to remember it? In response to that question, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Jared Roundsville answers on Twitter, Very fondly, cheering on these young men during COVID helped get us through this. Hashtag go
2: Yeah, it certainly helped. They were ready in a pandemic to take advantage and, and thrive like football was and like most of BYU athletics has been. Ready to go.
1: Today's rise and shout out, a combined effort presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward as we give a special rise and shout out to former Cougar great Danny Plater, who passed away over the weekend. Blaine Fowler, his former teammate and longtime, very close friend, joins us now to discuss the impact of uh, Danny Plater, not just on the football program, but on the athletics department and uh, what his what your relationship was like with him uh, in his final days.
4: Yeah, it, it's been a rough couple of weeks. You know, many of you know we lost Clayton Riggs, a, a fullback that played with Kalani Asataki and that whole group back then. A couple of weeks ago, from a brain hemorrhage, and uh, the same thing um, with Danny Plater just this past Saturday. Uh, so it's been it's been a rough few weeks for Cougar Nation and for those of us that were close to both of those guys. And and uh, yeah, Danny was over at our house a week you know a week ago Sunday. He'd stop by almost every Sunday to, to eat with us and visit with us. We loved having him come by on Sundays and had a new bike um that he was showing us, got an electric bike that he was riding around. Last thing he said to me before he left, I went out and I said, Dan, that's a sweet bike. I I think I need to get one. And he, he turned to me and he goes, Well, you're gonna have to come up with thirty five hundred bucks, bro. And then he <laughs> mic dropped and just and just pulled off. It was like typical Danny. Whenever he would just dog you, he would mic drop and walk out. And uh Yeah. Those that followed BYU football back in the late seventies and eighties know that Danny was a phenomenal football player, unbelievable wide receiver. And um, until Austin Collie got drafted, a number of years later, Danny was a fourth round draft pick, the highest wide receiver pick um, in BYU history. He was one of Jim McMahon's favorite targets. Um, He took me under his wing. He was a senior. McMahon was a senior and I was a freshman and I came in and those two two guys, it didn't start out good, but it ended up great because we, we would be doing one-on-ones and every time I would rotate up to the front of the line, that's where the quarterbacks throw to the receivers and the DBs just cover them, one-on-one. Every time I would walk up to the line, Danny would look over and see that it was me and just kind of go, no, I'm, this guy's not throwing to me. And he, he, he would put the next guy in front of the line. I was starting to get a complex, like what in the world is wrong with me? And um, finally Jim McMahon rotated up and Danny was there and Jim had been working with me to teach me the game. And he said, Blaine, come up here. And he put me in the line. And then, Every time for the next four times that I that Jim wrote it, rotated up and Danny worked his way to get with Jim, Jim would pull me out of the line, put me in the front of the line, and I would throw to Danny. We we went four for four, and then after practice, he walked up to me and he just just as Danny would, he's like, "I'm so sorry, man. I wasn't trying to make you feel bad. I just wanted Jim to throw to me, but now I know you're good. We're good." And, and he <laughs> and I have been really, really, we've been really, really close friends for thirty some years since then. Um, he was an unbelievable competitor. I don't know that I've ever seen a more competitive guy out on the field. In fact, Jim told me when I was a freshman, if you ever get in seven on seven or if you ever find yourself out there on the field and everything looks mixed up, if you see 86 out there, just throw it because he will go get it. He'll either catch the ball or he will undress the defender before he'll let them intercept the ball. That's your safest bet. Even if he's triple covered, Covered, you can always throw it out to play her. He'll catch it. And we used to call him Pluto. So, um, yeah, so he, we go back a long ways and, and then he got drafted by the Broncos, ended up with the bears, which was his dream to be with Jim, but in Chicago and he was actually going to be in the, the primary rotation for receivers in 1985. And they discovered that he had a, a large mass on his brain and had to have brain surgery. And, and that significantly altered the rest of his life. It cut his football career short. Um, and remember, this was a guy, guys, that was a first-team academic All-American, an NCAA postgraduate scholarship award winner, went to medical school at USC. And and that brain surgery would affect the rest of his life. And he, he moved back to Provo and became just part of BYU lore. Like, every sports team at BYU knows Danny Plater. Yeah. I was talking to, to Kerry, um Roberts and the, the BYU women's golf team the other day, and they were just they were so sad about the loss of Danny because he was part of their team. He was part of that cross-country team with that ice stone and – and that whole group, and he became BYU's biggest supporter and biggest fan. And and uh, it's it's a very sad day when we lost Danny because he brightened a lot of people's worlds.
1: Blaine, we appreciate the time that you spent with us remembering Danny Pluto Plater and uh, what an impact he had on BYU athletics, not just as a football player, but uh, how much he meant to them for the years leading up to his passing. Thanks, Blaine.
4: You bet. Thanks, guys.
1: Blaine Fowler on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
4: Yeah, you'd,
2: you'd always find Danny around campus, uh, you know, coming around and, and uh, supported the teams and had the surgery. And, yes, it did affect him. But he was still actively at BYU. Like, yes. ask every team, literally, because he would wander around. Kind of had carte blanche to go anywhere I wanted, but he was a welcome sight, right? Because it was like, oh, there's Danny Plater. It was like,
1: like Uncle Dan but, to all of the BYU teams.
2: And he's the guy that runs in the Hail Mary call, by the way, to McMahon. In 1980. Like,
1: just throw it up to the goal line. Yeah, like, he's, he's, yeah, the, guy he's the
2: guy who runs the it in, Which, that seems like an obvious play, but someone had to communicate that, and it was Danny Plater. Yeah.
1: Again, our thanks to today's guest, Blaine Fowler, uh, who just joined us to remember Dan Plater, and uh, Steve Cleveland, the former BYU basketball head coach, looking back at the NCAA tournament.
2: Halftime. Rutgers up 30-24. to BYU shoots 32%, so not great in the first half, but down 6 at halftime against Rutgers. So only
1: shoot 32%, but only down 6. Yes. Let's go. I expect a battle. Let's go. I'll put the the goggles once we put those on go. Things went well again.
2: Sergeant Dennis Pitta ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN.
1: For Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to Kristen Kozlowski. Oh, heard of her. Yeah, she was a pretty good BYU women's basketball player, wasn't she? Yeah, still on the game on the radio right now. Kristen Crockett, Kozlowski. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation, hopefully recapping a BYU women's basketball win. Go Cougs.